for our destinations, you know, again, you get to the consumer and what kind of experiences are available and uh, speak to those and you know, make sure that you are paying close attention to the research and data, what people are responding to. And it's pretty interesting. It's not always what you think it is. People are looking for ways they can enjoy safe experiences. And so you just have to tell them how they can do it with your destination. Curious to know what industry-leading marketers are looking to achieve in the ever-evolving digital landscape? The How Agencies Thrive podcast by Stackadapt is dedicated to helping the new breed of forward-thinking, savvy, lean, and mean marketers win in the rapidly evolving digital landscape. Time to thrive. Since 2020, nearly every aspect of the travel and tourism industry has had to adapt. With strict travel regulations, stay-at-home orders, and plans put on hold, marketers have had to embrace challenges to navigate the waters ahead. In this episode, we're joined by Jim Reagan from Media One North America and Jason Laron from Stack Adapt to reflect on consumer trends, impacts to the industry, and the future of travel and tourism marketing. What you'll find interesting about this episode are the insights on how the need for safe travel has vastly impacted the messaging of marketing campaigns. What I liked about this episode was the idea that now more than ever, travelers are discovering destinations right outside their doorstep that don't involve getting on a plane. Things like driving to a local attraction, landmark, or even a hotel are becoming an exciting way to break out from the daily routine that we've all experienced over the last year and a half, and also represents huge untapped potential for marketers. As always, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode of the How Agencies Thrive podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. My name is Matt Everett. I'm the host of the How Agencies Thrive podcast, and I'm also the Education and Development Manager at StackAdapt. Today I'm joined by Jim Regan, the President at Media One North America, and Jason LaRond, Sales Director at StackAdapt. As a tradition with every episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of our guests before jumping into the questions. So starting with you, Jim, why don't you tell us what you do, how long you've been in the industry, and what you consider to be your strongest area of expertise? Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We're I'm Jim Reagan, president, again, as you said, of uh, Media One North America. And we are a media, I like to call us a performance company. So we work with agencies and clients, uh, helping their digital media, uh, create their digital media strategy, execution, optimization, and then robust data and analytics that uh, continue the conversation and build the lifetime value of their customer. And, uh, you know, tourism is about uh, uh, just as information. I began. I've had about a 30-year career uh, in marketing and advertising. And uh, for some reason or another, maybe it's because I've been located in the southeast in Atlanta and, and the area. Uh, tourism is a big part of what I do and what we do as a company. Uh, we currently work with about 50, a little over 50 different tourism uh, destination marketing organizations, hotels, resorts, attractions from Southern Canada to Florida and all points in between. I got my start um, uh, in television, uh, local television, and did work in tourism and then uh, went to work as vice president of a publisher's rep firm back in the 90s, uh, located in Atlanta. So we would, uh, there were magazines such as 
National Geographic Traveler, defunct now Travel Holiday. So I was in the publishing industry, Forbes Magazine, uh, National Geographic, all these different uh, publications that I worked with destinations and again, hoteliers, et cetera, uh, helping them uh, develop their marketing strategies and uh, advertising in the magazine. So my, my experience goes way back. Uh, and uh, so I've, I've, I've kind of feel like I've grown up in this industry to some degree and, and seen, uh, I've just watched its growth trajectory to where back in the 90s, people, you know, you had, you had travel that uh, vacations were something you did a couple of times a year and you just went to a certain place, stayed there and then went home. And now it's become more of a, a part of who people are and the, a part of their identity. And, and uh, you see travel is something that uh, is almost like a birthright. People go on vacation. Uh, and that's something that that's, you know, that they'll go on vacation before they'll do a lot of other things because that's just a part of who they are. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting for me to have watched that evolution um, and, you know, see it uh, kind of come, you know, grow into now with it's a, a robust billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry. So that's my background. So I started with the publishing industry and then uh, at about, 2003 pivoted over to digital, digital media, and then with uh, you know again still rep- representing people, and then went to work with a startup out of Denver, Colorado called Spot Exchange, SpotX. I was employee 23 out there, and my job when I came in was to help develop and uh, grow the tourism industry and create a strategy for them. And uh, then they when they sold to RTL in Germany. Uh, Took my little bit of stock and went went to work with another company uh, for a short time, and then decided I wanted to do my own thing again. And uh, so started Media One in 2015, and we have uh, just uh, incredible growth, and I'm very grateful for that. And having the chance to work directly with a lot of uh, friends and clients all across the country. So, yeah, so I hope that's not too. <laughs> Too much of a winded answer. I'm sorry for the uh, the speech there, but in, well, that's my background. So like no, it's it. it's really good to get a sense of where you come from. I mean, you've definitely seemed to have grown up with the industry, seen a lot of uh, of ebbs and flows of of how things have gone, emerging tech, things like that. So we're definitely very excited to have you on the episode. Sure. So just to round things off, uh, Jason, I'd love to pass it over to you, get a bit of insight on on your experience from StackAdapt and within the industry. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So Jim, obviously great to have you on here. And I'm excited for this conversation because I think you bring quite a fair bit of knowledge that I'm actually excited to learn about today. Since uh, I've been in the industry for about seven or eight years now, I'm losing track of time, but not as much as 30 years. So it's a little bit shorter of an explanation here. Um, I've been in the programmatic my whole uh, professional career, focusing a lot on the sales side. So I started as an analyst, learning the ins and outs of campaigns, DSPs, SSPs, social platforms, etc., and moved into more of a consulting approach with the sales side of things. So my specialization in verticals or expertise, I would say, is actually travel. Uh, I worked with a lot of travel brands and clients uh, throughout uh, my tenure. Uh, focusing on various areas like loyalty uh, within some of the major airlines and hotel chains. I've also worked with 
uh, hotel chains themselves. So I've seen quite a fair bit of the industry, uh, but I'm also very excited for this conversation today and hear more about what Jim's been doing in the past uh, year and a half. Perfect. Thanks again, Jason. So as mentioned, this episode of the podcast is going to be an in-depth discussion on the future of travel and tourism marketing. And the big goal is to give our listeners a much better understanding of the lasting impact that the pandemic's had on the vertical and also how travel marketers can prepare for this surge in demand for travel as the world continues to transform into this new normal and open up again. Over the course of the episode, we'll cover about five questions, give or take, and we're looking forward to the insights that both of you bring to the table. So to kick things off, uh, I, I wanted to ask when the travel restrictions began to be enforced back in 2020. So think back to Q1, right when you know the news cycle began and everybody was sort of in this frenzy of what they would do. What was the number one thing at that time that was on your mind? Well, I was looking at it for me personally, uh, having had a mother and father who grew up in the depths of the depression in the thirties, um, in their youth, uh, my, my thinking was, oh my gosh, we're getting ready to go through a, a world changing event. But there were so many unknowns that I think we just had to, you know, uh, pause and, and, and look at it and say, okay, how can we first, you know, take care of our clients and their needs? There were. Yeah, obviously, a lot of them in, in full panic mode and, and you know, all varying degrees of that. So uh, we looked at ourselves as guides, uh, people who you know provide uh, just no different than an attorney or or uh, an accountant would in legal or financial advice. We're we're here to help them with their marketing, and uh, so we had to look at it and say, okay, with the unknowns, you know, we don't want to turn everything off. Uh, because no marketer ever wants to do that, but we need to certainly pump the brakes and what we considered a pilot light approach initially. Uh, and, you know, but you were concerned about the welfare, you know, the personal welfare, it's a very personal thing for all of us, um, no matter where you were in the world. Uh, is it just, just, you know, like a wildfire went across all continents to think, okay, where's this going to end? And, uh, and it's like any anything uh, that's cataclysmic like that. Your first things, you're shocked, and then you say, "Okay, you have to employ what's called." Uh, my father called him in uh, commander's intent, and that's you have all these great strategies and plans. And as soon as the bow door goes down on the beach, your plans as a military leader sometimes just go right out the window, and you have to think about what the end goals and objectives are. And how you can adapt, think adaptively to get your people from where you are now to where they want to be. And so for us, the first thing as a guide is we wanted to be a resource of all kinds of information. So we aggregated uh, data of uh, all of our travel advertisers using Google Analytics and whatnot and gave them uh, trends or things that we're seeing and uh, across the board and across all travel advertisers and tried to empower them with their stakeholders so that when they're having conversations with either the boards of directors or their their industry stakeholders, if they're a destination or state tourism entity, we're helping them really um, uh, be able to give them insight as to what uh, where things are going and how they can possibly navigate. Yeah, and Jim, I think you bring up a great point there that there is a lot of confusion 
right? We're at an unprecedented time, which I know that word was said a lot, but you know, it's a global event that unfortunately is impacting everything from you know your day-to-day to actually your travel plans. So a lot of clients in the travel space at least came to me, and I'm curious to hear if it's the same with you. Uh, they just came in and says, what do we do? Right. Hotel bookings are down. Flights are incredibly down. Is this a short term pain that we need to solve right now? Or is it something that is actually going to be changing our marketing strategy moving forward? And I think a lot of the time the communication evolved where we started off saying, you know, we don't know what this is. And we're going to be following the basic idea that we're going to see what everyone else is going to do. And if everyone else stops their campaigns and everyone else does this, we're going to follow suit and see what the overall ecosystem does. And unfortunately, it got to a point where a lot of people decided, you know what, better safe than sorry, let's completely go dark and, you know, focus our budget elsewhere. And Jim, as you know, as well as I do, when any kind of executives looking at where to save money, unfortunately, marketing budgets are a very easy cut for them. And they don't, you know, realize the overall impact it's going to have on their bottom line, but it's a very easy budget to cut. So I'm curious uh, for you, Jim, when you're talking to your clients, what was really the main thing you were trying to tell them? Is it more about, you know, stay the course? Is it more about, you know, adapt to the change? What was going through your mind when you're having these conversations with your clients? Yeah. I mean, so, and again, it's very interesting. We had um, not necessarily by design. So if you look at the key market, the the key segments of travel and tourism, you got the meetings and conventions segment, uh, group tours, group travel, you know, like we call it bus tours, et cetera. Uh, those as you know just shut down immediately. Nobody wanted the, the legal liability or the health uh, liability of having people in big meetings. So we had just tons of, uh, I mean, or a number of our destinations who were just hammered by that. And if they were heavy into those markets, uh, it was a very painful situation. On the other side, uh, here in the southeastern United States, we had. Uh, places like the Great Smoky Mountains, uh, Florida, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, North Myrtle Beach, some of these destinations that uh, were, you know, a lot of their focus was outdoors. You know, if you're going to the beach or the mountains, you can get out and kind of socially distance and have a good time. So those folks were uh, wanting to get as active and as quick as they could the, uh, on the leisure side. You know, so... From that standpoint, we had to navigate another thing is that, you know, you had a lot of stakeholders, uh, hoteliers, locals who were like, man, you know, we don't want to import COVID. And uh, uh, there was one situation in Florida when where one West Coast Florida destination put some big ads in uh, some of the Miami media area trying to talk to people in Miami about coming over and spending weekends that ended up getting some people terminated because you know, there was a big uproar about, hey, look, we don't want we don't want people coming here who could possibly stick and making our our situation worse. Right. So you really, that that was something we had to look at. That, so I say that to say there were a number of our destinations, um, like one of them, Sevierville, Tennessee, in the Great Smoky Mountains. Their occupancy, hotel occupancy, uh, was at seventy two percent for twenty twenty. Now that was after. Uh, Q2, but if you if you take the second half of 2020, they just were bet right back as some to some degree as business as usual. There were some inside uh, like restaurants and attractions might be at 25 percent or 50 percent, 
but they had the ability to uh, accommodate people. And so that gave us a lot of different things to consider. I mean, we had to kind of tell some of them, hey, man, you got you to gotta think about the sensitivities of the consumer. We'll get a little more into this later on. But, uh, you know, what you, you always, when we say begin with the end in mind, it's the consumer's experience that you have to think about. And, and in the case of travel, it's also, you know, you're inviting people to your home. And so you want to be considerate of, of your constituents, too. So, right. So, yeah, so we had to navigate that. That was threading the needle in that, you know, there were times we had to tell people, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit and, and uh, let's look at the elements and the, I mean, the places and the experience that make sense. Let's stay away from those that could be, you know, a political lightning rod or, or, or a health lightning rod and let's stay away from them. And kind of diving into that a little bit, you know, over a year ago when it was still in the heyday, you know, as a first line of defense, what were you testing out there and what kind of strategies were you working um, with your clients? And we'd love to know what worked, what didn't work. And, you know, if you learned anything from there that you can actually share uh, today. Yeah, no, we, we looked at, uh, you know, a lot of native and, and content driven marketing that would talk about the experience. Uh, if you come to this destination or if you come to this hotel, here's some of the things we're doing to keep you safe. Uh, to help you have that great experience um, and to really, so it changed and it was much more subdued, not a, you know, anything that was, I think, exhilarating, you know, showing like, you know, carefree experience that you yeah. have seen in 2019, but more, hey, here, you know, because we want you to come here and have a good time, but we want to make sure we do that. So we employed a good bit of uh, native and uh, content and, you know, different things using uh, video to to really tell their story, uh, utilizing those those tactics and strategies. And you know, within that, I know a lot of times I was reading an e-marketing report earlier today talking about that a lot of travelers were just hoping they could socially distance when they were actually getting there. Was a big part of the marketing you you guys were doing focused along those safety precautions, or was it really just saying, "Don't worry, we're good. Get us here, and we'll be good." No, I mean, it was, it was definitely, uh, that had to be a, a, a component of it because you didn't, I mean, you have to be responsible. And obviously we wanted to make sure that our destinations and our, our clients were, they, they were sensitive to that. None of them wanted to just go, well, there's some that wanted to, but they were like, Hey, we want to make sure people are totally aware. One of the things that happened, especially here in the Southeast is we call it, you know, uh, the triangle you had the great smoky mountains which is america's most visited national park yeah uh the south carolina beaches in florida uh specifically in the in north carolina the outer banks because people couldn't travel out of the country right it really created um you know there was some blowback locally for some of these folks about just how many people were coming so that was so we had to be very Again, I use the term threading the needle, making sure that we uh, are media. So we would have, to that point, we'd have uh, one strategy that was a, a B2C going out to the consumers. Um, and uh, we did a lot of what we call day trip and uh, itineraries. So those are people that might drive two and a half, three hours at max, uh, mostly say two to three hours at, at most where they could come spend the day 
enjoy the destination and then go home. And then the second one was a strategy locally, talking to the locals about how the industries, uh, what things they're doing to make sure that the traveling public is sensitive to their needs. And and then also uh, advertising locally to get people who live in uh, a destination to, hey, come, come do some of the things you can do. You know, if you can come eat at a restaurant that uh, has outdoor dining, Mm-hmm. Uh, social distancing, come do that. And so, you know, we did what we could to try to, it's that balance of trying to protect people's right to, you know, and, and ability to keep their business open and people employed with that health concern. Yeah. And again, you know, each destination was a little bit different because as you guys know, it got very political and still is. And uh, so you have to, and you always, every destination and every, Gosh, I'm sure it's true in Canada, Mexico, anywhere you go, you have both sides. So you have to really pay attention to this, this climate. That's not going to change for a long time. Absolutely. And I think there's another good point there. You know, there's a lot of noise besides health and safety, besides, you know, what we need to do to make sure people feel comfortable or a politicized issue. You know, a lot of times brand messaging is kind of top of mind for any marketers in this travel space to make sure, you know, your brand is actually first and foremost and not the issue that is plaguing people on a day-to-day basis. So I'd love to know from your experience, you know, are there any strategies out there that have helped you and your brand stay relevant in the era of a lot of noise and a lot of misinformation? Uh, So we did some things kind of interesting. I thought that uh, one, obviously we did a number of podcasts and uh, Zoom meetings uh, with or collectives with uh, our clients and their constituents, helping uh, answer their questions, giving them insights, giving them research. Uh, That's one thing that we did. Uh, A second thing we did was kind of, we did a direct mail campaign to a lot of our clients where we actually purchased a big supply of blankets with our logo on it and uh, sent a note or a letter out to uh, clients around uh, and and encourage them to uh, take that blanket and you know when it's, it's cooler weather this when some of the marginal time periods when it was like in the fall or or early spring uh, and uh, go eat out support your local restaurant and stay warm use the, use the meaty one blankets crazy as that sounds that was a pretty cool thing that people really seem to respond well to as it you know sending those blankets out and and that sounds and that's just a little thing that we did. But we really did try to keep a lot of uh, regular uh, conversations. And we didn't do it with uh, just email. There was a lot of email and a lot of, uh, I think, that type of, you call it noise. And there was a lot of that going all over the place. But we did it with regular telephone uh, calls, touch points, an old-fashioned thing that I used to do where you cut something out of a a magazine or newspaper or print it from uh, an online article. And rip it off, put it in an in a, in a envelope, and actually use the old snail mail and send it to people. They really it with a note attached, and it just kept you top of mind. And then uh, we began meeting with our clients selectively. And after about well, we started doing that. We 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 took the second quarter of last year and kind of sheltered in place, but then selectively began seeing our clients in in places, not in their offices, but in, I mean, we do bag lunches out in a park or we do 
different things where we'd be able to talk to our clients. And, and they loved that because nobody else was really doing that. It gave them a chance to, to you know, just kind of get away from all the garbage and actually, <laughs> or, or in some cases, uh, get out of their own homes and actually see another human being, another adult. So they just seem to really appreciate. So those were those were some just low tech strategies that we did that seemed to work. Well, I think you brought up a good point where it's actually a personal touch. And when you everyone went back home, you're seeing anyone just on a Zoom or Microsoft Teams screen, and you don't really get that human connection. Any little thing like that, you know, really does make. A difference in my opinion and i think people are now more appreciative of that more than ever when you lose it uh and you have to focus on online only but you know before we go to our ad break i wanted to quickly ask you a little bit too for the marketing strategies for your clients that either wanted to pause or continue what did you find worked well for you and your clients in you know this period of uncertainty well and again each one of them were different but uh their strategies to again uh utilize digital media and uh, where we would be very, again, uh, not, I don't use the word subdued, but we did campaigns that, uh, you know, again, focused on that experience of the consumer uh, and how they could utilize their destination or what they really did, diving in to see what their destination could offer that we could do that the consumer would enjoy safely. So it's really about, so marketing strategies were more, uh, for them, or, or uh, smaller campaigns, uh, not not full on, just pedal to the metal. But again, branding, you know, in, in, and to your point, what you said, it was more of a branding focus, and really trying to make that emo- continue that emotional connection that they have with their their consumers. Because with tourism, and you guys may have this, you know, we all have our our happy place. And our happy places a lot of times are those places that we take vacations. And um, so if you can make sure that you're the you're out there in front of your people, that you know, that they're they, I don't know, just I think that the consumer wants to know that you're there and that they can, you can come and when you can come. So I think it's important that you really with honesty and transparency. Talk to your consumers, uh, and again, when I say you're talking to them via digital media, uh, to let them know what's going on in your destination and what what they can do and when they can come there. So that's those are some of the things that we did. That kind of align with what you're thinking. Yeah, I think that's perfect because I think a lot of times, you know, when people see times of uncertainty, they cut and they go dark. But I think you bring up a good point that we need to make sure that hey. While we can't visit you right now, we're still here. And when we can go back, we'll be ready. And I think that's a really good message to take away from here. Um, Is that kind of what you were pushing with your clients as well? Yeah. And again, one of the things we talked about, since we we work with over 50 different destinations, we would aggregate that media and index that media against what they were doing and how they were doing. And we would be able to say to them, because, you know, there are, I mean, I'm I'm not saying clients are... They're people, so they always want to know what other people are doing without sharing, hey, this is what this destination is doing or that destination is doing. We wouldn't provide some case studies and examples, but it, by aggregating a lot of the data and what people were doing, like we see among our clients and, and, and clients that, that are in your segment. So if you're a, a destination that's, say, um, uh, 
I'll call it a tertiary destination. That might be uh, uh, not Myrtle Beach, but North Myrtle Beach, or not Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, or not not uh, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, but some smaller destination in Tennessee, or you know, somebody who's not the most recognized brand in that region. You know, we we want to uh, we try to make sure that uh, that those folks looked uh, again at something that they to do that was unique, but by showing them what other people were doing, it allowed them to uh, uh, have some confidence in going, okay, we can continue to spend money because these other destinations are, are doing the same thing. And that gave them some political cover with their, again, their stakeholders and constituents to, to continue marketing. And that worked really, really well. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks again, Jim. These have, these inputs have all been really good. And Jason, thanks again for keeping the conversation going. With this in mind, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, what the world of travel and tourism is going to look like as the world begins to open up and how consumers are shaping the direction of future campaigns. So we'll take a quick ad break and we'll see you when we're back. You know your advertising should be multi-channel. So why isn't your ad platform? StackAdapt offers multi-channel advertising solutions across native, display, video, connected TV, and audio. With access to all of the major exchanges and more than 55,000 publishers. As if that wasn't enough, StackAdapt is also the highest rated programmatic ad platform according to G2. It's time to elevate your digital ad campaigns. Request a demo at stackadapt.com. Stack Adapt, how agencies thrive. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we're joined by Jim Reagan of Media One North America and Jason LaRonde of Stack Adapt to talk about the future of travel and tourism marketing. So as we head into the latter portion of this episode, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about how important you think it is for travel and tourism marketers to take cues from consumers when it comes to shaping the direction of campaigns. So things like messaging and how valuable it is to have the right messaging or the right creatives that are really going to speak to your target audience uh, as uh, these travel and tourism companies start to open up, book more trips, things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, for, for our destinations, you know, again, you get to the consumer and what kind of experiences uh, are available and uh, speak to those and uh, you know, make sure that, that you are paying close attention to the research and data of what, you know, uh, and again, you guys know this, what people are responding to. And it's pretty interesting. It's not always what you think it is. Uh, again, people uh, are looking for ways they can enjoy safe experiences uh, and so you know you just have to tell them how they can do it with your destination and the creative doesn't have to be as in my mind uh, you, you, you do want to continue to brand but the branding also has to you know travel is experiential right now and it's going to, I think it's, that element of it is going to continue to grow so you know I had a discussion with a European marketer and he was you know his view of the European market was that you know, they go on holiday and that may last a long time and they just go and they're gone and then they come back home after several weeks. And I talked to him about here in the United States, you know, they, there's a lot of folks that do, you know, they take, they go mountain biking for the, their vacation. Now, obviously golf's there, but kayaking, um, hiking, biking, all these different things. 
So you have to really, I think, be specific about what those experiences are that they can do and how they can do it. Do they have to have their own equipment? Can they rent that? And uh, I think that's where content marketing and uh, you know, great storytelling has been very beneficial for our customers. Uh, just great time on site and uh, engagement, again, with great storytelling. Yeah, and I think, Jim, there's some interesting insights in there because you know there was a e-marketer stat, and they asked people back in October of last year, you know, when would you feel safe to travel again? And pretty much, a majority of every single region they asked said Q3 of 2021, um, and I think that is really the time where people, you know, vaccination rates are up. And it's getting nice weather and people starting to look outside there. They built up a little bit of a nest egg that they can then spend on. But, you know, what you said earlier in this episode was that a very domestic focused travel. And it might be because people are a little more uh, cautious to avoid crowds. They uh, aren't as comfortable with air travel as they're driving a car or an RV. And while those safety concerns are, you know, maybe a little bit waning, the price concerns are still there. And, you know, really I found what was efficient was we're traveling budget travelers that are going for close to home getaways and they're looking to, you know, rent an RV, rent a car to actually get to that location. And it worked very, very well for some of our clients that were trying to capture an audience they normally wouldn't get because, you know, a lot of times, especially up in Canada, we look at international travel as a big part of our market segment. And when borders closed and different things happened like that, a big, big marketing push was explore your own country. And I think it was a very, very successful avenue for a lot of our travel boards that you know, weren't expecting that big surge in local there. So I found a lot of times that you know this was the time when people started testing messaging around that whole idea of being local, being more discounted and explore your own country. And, you know, personally for me speaking, we had a lot of success there. Yeah. Maybe. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We, we had uh, an interesting thing with one of our destinations, which is on the Canadian uh, border in Northern Minnesota that uh, had a unique problem in that to get to the Lake of the Woods, as it's called, you have to go up into Manitoba and around and then come back down into the United States to get to their actual destination. And it's one of the only places I think in North America where that's true. And so, you know, they do uh, their, their big thing is fishing on, on those beautiful lakes. And uh, so they actually had to employ kind of some of that ice road truckers mentality <laughs> and figure out ways to get people coming across the frozen, frozen lakes, which is kind of interesting, but that was, Something that, uh, that happened, but you're right. That's the same thing. I think one of the things we saw here in the United States was so many people were, you know, there was so much pent up demand, yeah, so much frustration among, you know, and I've from a lot of people, and I always like to look at things in quintiles, and by that I mean, you, you know, one of the reasons when you have any survey, you see, I uh, totally agree, somewhat agree, neutral, somewhat disagree, totally disagree, or whatever, however you want to say it. You have to look at uh, marketing, and especially in the tourism sector, in the same way. There are people who who were just so frustrated, you know, mask be damned, I'm going somewhere, and you can shoot me, but I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you, you, we had a we had a lot of scenarios where, I mean, destinations, uh, especially like I was in Florida in May, and it was just almost uh, it was a, a couple of places were just overrun to the point where I was, you know. 
I'm going to go somewhere else here. <laughs> yeah. There's too many people. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so you're right. I mean, but it was the same thing. People stayed locals, uh, stayed in the country and, and, uh, and had, because they didn't, they're not spending as much money on uh, clothing and uh, gas uh, commuting back and forth to work. Oh, for uh, sure. They had, you know, you had money. So they, they had cash. And I can be an example. I was talking to, uh, back in May, I was at a conference in Florida, and one of the, the executive director of the Convention of Visitors Bureau at Emilia Island Plantation said that uh, the Ritz-Carlton there normally went for about 250 to 300 American dollars a night. Mm-hmm. And uh, they thought, well, and they were just so sold out at that point that they decided just to keep raising the rates. And at $1,600 a night during the week, uh, they were still sold out. Wow. People were just wanting to get out of their homes, get out of their hometown and just go somewhere. And uh, cost became irrelevant. We have uh, one client in the Smoky Mountains that uh, they projected a one point. $3 billion expenditure by consumers. Um, and they ended up at 1.8 billion. And for the month of July, 2021, this, this last month, they had a 93.4% occupancy rate for all the hoteliers in the County combined. And that's basically sold out. That's just saying that there was no way. I mean, if you count, you know, somebody stays, uh, Friday to Monday, and then somebody else comes in Thursday and stays to the next Sunday, uh, those two days, you, you really can't really be more sold out than that. Yeah. So it was insane. So I think that's something we're having to deal with. And that, again, has set off uh, a little bit of backlash among the locals and people that are like, hey, wait a minute, I'm glad you're here, but there's too many of you. So it's changing, and we'll get into it, some of the dynamics, I think, of how marketers approach going forward and get into that when you're ready. Yeah, I think the economics of it get very interesting when you start comparing where these travelers are coming from, how much are they willing to pay, and you know, will this also be replicated locally? Yeah. During the week and stuff like that. I know personally for myself there are some places in Canada that are actually incentivizing locals to, you know, to join there by offering different discounts. There's places in Niagara Falls who are normally suffering uh, during this time, they're offering some very good incentives just to get people back there and get back into that mood of, you know, it's safe to be back here. It's safe to enjoy the area that it is. And we'll give you a little bit of a bonus, whether that be, you know, discounted rooms some credits on food or whatever it might be, if you show that you're a Canadian resident. So yeah. I noticed there's a lot more benefits and discounts that were being offered uh, to get people there. So it's a little bit different than, you know, jumping to prices up there. But Typical tourist destinations that people used to go pre-pandemic are now, I think, a little bit on the wear side because people are now exploring more within their own little area. So, you know, which brings me to this next question that I thought would be very interesting. Uh, and then it's one thing I've been wondering about recently because we follow trends all the time. We follow forecasts and reports and we're coming out of an area that was, again, unprecedented. But as the travel restrictions start to ease off, uh, are you seeing any trends in either the travel or tourism area that you're most excited to see emerge in the coming months in the year? Yeah. Um, thank you, Jason. Yeah. The, the things that I'm seeing are um, with remote working or remote learning, there are a lot of you know people that 
that's just opened up travel because you have, I mean, again, I live here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our company's based in Atlanta, but uh, it's not that far away, actually. But um, uh, so many people here who come and stay a month or two, licensed techs from all over the country, Washington State, California, people that you normally wouldn't have in an area here. We're more of a regional, about 85, 90% of our tourism in this area. And in the southeastern U.S., it tends to be drive travel. Uh, but you're seeing people who will, you know, get their kids, their family, and go spend the summer in a, or spend uh, a month or two uh, working and, you know, learning remotely uh, in destinations. And that's a trend that I think it's, I don't think that you're going to have, you know, there are a lot of folks, a lot of companies that are saying, okay, let's go. Uh, we don't want to be a remote organization. It doesn't work for everybody. But I, I think as you look at even big companies like Google that said they're going to do that 80, 60, 80 plan where 20% of the people will be there all the time in their offices and 60% will be, you know, uh, two or three days a week and the other 20% totally remote. Well, those people now have incredible liberties to, to, to travel, take advantage of weekday opportunities. And so that's what I was talking about when you use quintiles. You look at segmenting out some of these people and having creative and different uh, focus to talk, yep. speak to those, you know, because those are those are great opportunities for you to get people to stay and not just stay for a while, but stay. I mean, those aren't short visits; they can be pretty extended. Well, absolutely great point because I actually just got an email I think a couple of days ago from the Royal York in Toronto, and they said, you know, change up your work from home view, and it said basically spend. X amount of dollars to get a free day pass to all the amenities, stay in the room there, and basically treat it as a home office there. And you're 100% right. That's a completely untapped market that no one would have thought would be a big market segment. But I think as people are starting to get more flexible, able to work multiple hours, our entire job is online now. It allows a lot more freedom and mobility for people to actually explore a lot of these places. And you know that's something just down the street for me. I can only imagine some of these tourism boards that are going to offer some discounts, deals, incentives for me to spend a week, two, three weeks, even a month there uh, instead of in my own home office there in the same wall I'm looking at every single time. Uh, are you finding that that's going to be a big thing for some of these places or is it more of an isolated trend recently? Absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, definitely should, should pay uh, uh, close attention to that because that's going to be important. You know, people, you know, we're made for connection and we're made for you know, to be around each other. And it's important, I think, that that we have that opportunity and, and uh, travel presents that opportunity. And so, you know, you really want to speak to those folks that are at home because they want to, I mean, that that's a huge segment. Again, one of the things they have is, you know, travel is predicated on, uh, leisure travel is predicated most of the times on discretionary income and uh, can save a lot of money uh, on these folks on uh uh, I read, you know, save money on clothing and commuting costs. The one thing that was a little disturbing early on is they were saving money on deodorant and uh, some other things. I was like, man, let's let's go back to using deodorant for sure. <laughs> that's not a good thing. But yeah, so I think that's that's something. And you know, if we take just a second and look at some of the trends with uh, the meetings and conventions market, that I was talking to one of our clients, uh, uh, Pinehurst Resort, uh, actually one of my colleagues on my team, uh, which is, you know, we, it's called Home of American Golf. 
uh, Pine Horse, the resort itself, uh, was noticed some interesting trends and corporate meetings as they're coming back. We're starting to see now uh, our company as an example. I had, we had our first, uh, we continue to have our team meetings, uh, but not as often. We did one in, a, in the mountains at a, uh, at a, actually the interesting thing, it was a farm and a barn that was commuted into a, a kind of a, a boutique hotel. So we were able to socially distance and have a meeting and, and do that. But what they're seeing is where in the past, a lot of, uh, you'd have a lot of sales meetings or, uh, or corporate meetings where people would just, you know, go to a hotel, get in the conference room, they'd be there all day. Then uh, they may go out and eat and, you know, do some golf or whatever. But now he says what they're seeing is an interesting trend of where they do have people come, they'll spend a little bit of time in the conference room. Then they'll try to find a place outside where they can meet. Uh, and okay. then they're doing team building. So it's a, that dynamic's changing a bit. So uh, whereas they're still having the meetings and their meetings are coming back, they're coming back like everything, I think, a little bit different. No, I think that's, you know, again, expanding this market segment to travelers that wouldn't have an impact normally. And I know for airlines, business travel was, you know, absolutely massive for them. And while that might change slightly, I think you're right that people still need that human connection, still need that uh, feeling of being part of a team. And this is the time to start doing it there. So uh, overall, I think these trends that we're starting to see are going to continue on. And personally, for me, I've uh, been doing a lot of proposals with a lot of my clients talking about that specific market segment. And I think you're right. I think we're in a really good area to move forward with a new targeting idea alongside the other local, uh, international, whatever other segment is out there. So I think this has been a great discussion. And we, we, we look at, I, I, like to, I talk to our clients and, and our own team, we talk about operating in a cone. So whereas in the past, you may have a linear strategy, mm-hmm. you know, we do a business plan or a, a strategic plan for the next year. And we like to forecast out what we think we're going to do and where we're going to be uh, and how things are going to work. But as we can see right now with, you know, even with this, as the pandemic continues, you know, there, there are hot spots and ebbs and flows and flares and new iterations of the virus that change things. So the cone strategy allows us to have a an overarching strategy, again, that commander's intent, looking out to the future and saying, here's where we want to go. But you're operating in that, if you think of, if you can visualize a cone, that you may have to migrate either to the top of that cone or the bottom of the cone as you move through. And each of those might integrate different various tactics that would uh, make sense based on where you are within that cone as you, but you continue moving forward uh, again, using the military idea, you know, you don't want to, if you sit still, you usually perish. So you got, you (laughs) got to continue moving and learning how to do that. So that's something we like to talk about so that we can help our clients build that cone and then, and then continue to move forward. Absolutely. So, you know, with that in mind, this actually concludes the episode. Um, So on behalf of myself, our listeners, and Jim, Jason, thanks so much for your expertise on travel and tourism. We hope our listeners took away some valuable insights from this episode, and we can't wait to see how everyone will succeed in their upcoming campaigns. So thank you again. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast. If you like what you heard, then there's three things that you can do to support the show. Number one, subscribe. Number two, leave us a review. And number three, 
share our podcast on social media, or with anyone who might find value in this content. If you have questions or feedback, or just want to learn how agencies and brands work with StackAdapt, you can find us at stackadapt.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.